Hey guys, Bill here. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And before we get into today's episode, first, I want to remind everyone to make sure you're staying up to date on all your fantasy football news with ESPN's fantasy experts, Matthew Berry, Bill Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, who happens to be a guest on this very show in a couple minutes, and Daniel Dopp on the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. You'll get daily strategy, previews, and injury reports to ensure you have all the information you'll need for your fantasy football team. Download and subscribe to Fantasy Focus Football and The Bill Barnwell Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll be getting to Mike and talking about the fantasy draft board he's put together for the upcoming season in a minute. But first, wanted to say, This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now. Here's my clay. And now joining me as promised a man who is in high demand this time of year as we get started uh, and are into the full swing, actually, of fantasy football drafts. It is the guru of fantasy football here at ESPN. One of the best and most accurate prognosticators in the industry. Excellent, excellent guest. Someone we love having on the show is Mike Clay. Mike, how are you? I'm doing better after that introduction. I appreciate it, Bill. Uh, always, always love coming on this show, but uh, I, I always uh, like the words in the introduction too, because you're certainly <laughs> the you're the the class of the field when it comes to NFL analysis. So, uh, really, really appreciate that. Well, see, this is so nice. This is such a, a nice, wonderful experience. Yesterday, had me in a times in the show, antagonistic, huge ego, met no. Um, oh no, <laughs> that, very cool that is not me. That is not you. <laughs> no, um, obviously. Psyched to have me on the show yesterday. Psyched to have you on the show today. We have some really interesting stuff to talk about. Um, you, every year, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you write your ultimate draft board, which is basically just you coming up with a way to attack your typical fantasy draft. And we're going to get into that today. Kind of go round by round through the first few rounds of your ultimate draft board and, and just sort of get a sense of what you're thinking what, what, what your goals are, maybe some questions related to, you know, uh, you know, sort of how you might structure a draft, what if this happens, what if that happens, and then related to a expert league that you're in, the Apex League, which, uh, can you explain uh, the Apex League to the uninitiated? 
Yeah, so it's uh, it's a, a, essentially an experts league, if you will. Um, it's uh, basically you can join these leagues for uh, a few bucks and and participating in in public leagues if you would like. But uh, Mike Broad, who, who runs these uh, these leagues, kind of puts this one league together. Uh, we all jump in and uh, compete against each other, and it's really a lot of fun. So uh, you know, you would recognize a lot of the names that are in this one. You know, uh, Evan Silva. JJ Zacharyson, Matt Harmon, Graham Barfield, uh, you know, Sigmund Bloom, Brodo Pat from Roto World, you know, the list goes on. So Sean Siegel, who's who's terrific as well. So uh it's a it's a really good group. It's always super competitive. I was lucky enough to win it twice. I still don't know how I pulled that off because it's just an crazy competitive league. Basically, uh, either win it or finish in like ninth place because it's just so you have to take some chances, right? And, and it's like as as we'll get to when we talk about it a little bit, you know, it, it it's like my board just gets cleared off every time, right? I'm not used to that. I'm used to finding values at every pick and my targets are usually available when I, uh, when I expect them to be my value picks, but there is no value in this league because <laughs> everybody's just scooping up all the good players. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, obviously, um, you know, your typical home league, if you're someone listening, is probably not going to be as intense. It's probably going to be some more value opportunities than there is in this sort of league. So I think we're going to talk about, you know, kind of the structure of, of what you wrote about for your typical draft and maybe related to a more expert league and see, you know, where the differences are and what kind of stands out and where you might reach for someone or not reach for someone. So let's start with the simplest. Part. We'll get to round one. Um, and obviously, your advice here is pretty simple. Take the best running back available, whether it's Christian McCaffrey at 1-1, whether it is, you know, uh, going through Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, uh, Dalvin Cook, all, all through the first round, you're generally going to be taking a running back. So a couple questions for you here. Um, in terms of your first round picks, obviously depends on where you end up with the draft slot, but in a typical league, let's say a half, half PPR, um, we'll just use that as kind of our baseline. Are you willing to consider any non-running backs in the first round of a typical draft? Well, I mean, kind of what I write about here is that you can, and, and I use this line right off the bat, is that you can have your cake and eat it too, right? So the reason why I want to attack running back early is because wide receiver is just ridiculously deep. I mean, you're going to be looking at, in round three, potentially a guy that's top 10 on your board, and you could potentially draft three top 25 receivers and still have started with the running back in, in the first round and maybe depending on the size of the league, even round two. So um, I'm willing to go the Michael Thomas route because, you know, he was just absolutely exceptional last season. And I don't think much is going to change with Drew Brees back in that offense. You know, he's still the clear guy there and he dominated uh, the, the wide receiver position last year by a ton of points. So mm -hmm. actually 99 to be exact. So uh, Thomas is a guy I start thinking about in the mid to late stages of the first round, mm -hmm. but in a perfect world, I'm getting one of those top five wide uh, running backs, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, or Dalvin Cook. I mean, mm -hmm. in a perfect world, I want one of them. Yes, of course. Now, in a non-perfect world, if you're drafting in that sort of no man's land towards the bottom half of the first round, a guy who's rapidly rising up draft boards uh, since the Damian Williams news is Clyde edwards helaire And I'm sure you've talked about this a bunch on the Fantasy Focus podcast, but in terms of your range for Clyde edwards helaire uh, Lewis Riddick, our colleague, said he would take Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the first pick of a fantasy draft. Now, I'm guessing you would prefer Christian McCaffrey, and I would as well, but how high are you willing to take Clyde in a typical draft? Well, he's seventh on my board at running back. So you mix in, say, Michael Thomas, maybe Devontae Adams. That puts Edwards-Alaire just inside the top 10. So I have him ninth overall on my board. So 
I'm not going much crazier than that. Um, you know, I think that he's in a terrific position to be the clear lead back uh, in this Andy Reid slash Patrick Mahomes offense. And could he, as a rookie, lead the running back position in fantasy points? I mean, it's possible. Uh, I think it's a, probably a stretch because I don't know that he's going to get the carries needed, mm-hmm. right? And re- remember, he's not huge, right? He's 5'7", 207. You know, he's a little undersized. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He is going to be heavily involved as a pass catcher. He will score lots of touchdowns if he's out there on the field in this offense. There really are a lot to like. But, and again, I, I ha- he was my number one running back before the draft, which was very controversial at, the, at, at that point. So I like the guy. I love the talent. I love the, uh, uh, the elusiveness. I love the tackle breaking, love the receiving ability. But he might not be good. You know, we don't know that for sure, right? It, we, he hasn't played in the NFL yet. You have to hedge your bets a little bit in the first round. You know, so the draft goes deeper, you can take more chances. But in the first round, with the first overall pick in the top five, you have to be a little bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, I'm happy to take one of those other five uh, superstar running backs before I take that chance on, on a rookie. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, there's been examples of great teams you know, look at the Patriots who took Sony Michelle. And Sony Michelle, of course, was great in the playoffs a couple of years ago and then was a, uh, fair to say, a dud last year um, mm-hmm. for a guy who was taken at the end of the first round in kind of a similar spot. Lawrence Moroni, of course, years ago, showed some promise but ended up being uh, a disappointment. So even, even the best. And it can take players who don't have to be significantly impactful players at running back at the end of the first round. Um, in the Apex draft here, so this is a full PPR league, uh, one quarterback, two running backs, three wideouts, a flex, a kicker, and defense. You had the 12 slot, so you're picking 12-13 um, on the turn. You took Nick Chubb with the 12th overall pick. What led you to Chubb? Yeah, and by the way, Edward Tolaire, eighth in that draft mm-hmm. as well. So he was already off the board, um, as were the big five, Derrick Henry and Miles Sanders. So, uh, again, my thinking is I want to – get uh, at least one running back, you know, with, with my first two picks. And then, you know, generally I'm going to lean towards two of them if I can, uh, if there's something I like on the board. So uh, Chubb, I'm, you know, I'm, I was more excited for him going in the last season when we knew Kareem Hunt was going to miss half the season. Now I think it's going to be both of them pretty involved. We saw Chubb kind of fall to front end RB2 status once Hunt came back because, you know, he mixed in in the carry department, but he really got a lot of work. Uh, as a pass catcher and, and vice versa for Chubb, who's, who's passing work went down. So that bothers me a little bit, but at the same time, we're talking about a guy who's top two in yards per carry and yards after contact since he entered the NFL and uh, the Browns offense kind of suppressed a little bit last year, I think by coaching, but also by schedule, right? They had a very tough schedule for that offense. Now you bring in Kevin Stefanski, the schedule will be a bit lighter this year uh, and it should be all systems go. So Chubb, I just think is one of the best rushers in the NFL. I'll gladly take him at the 12 spot. Yeah, and I think just a guy who, you know, we saw at Dalvin Cook. Uh, the Vikings had talent at receiver. They had a quarterback they paid a lot of money to. They ran the ball a ton last year. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, I think when you're Kevin Stefanski, you're thinking about rebuilding that offense, uh, you know, and, and sort of taking the load off of Baker Mayfield. It wouldn't shock me if they were going to go run heavy. Uh, and some of that's going to be dictated by situation and score. But I think overall they want to be a team that runs the ball a lot. And so, you know, there might be enough for Chubb and Hunt to go around where they could both have pretty significant roles. Right, no doubt. And, you know, last year, Kevin Stefanski, at least in the, as the modern era goes, was 
near the basement in terms of three wide receiver sets, right? He was down near 20% because he had a lot of multiple tight end sets with Rudolph and Irv Smith, something that Cleveland can do now since they signed Austin Hooper to go with David Njoku, not to mention they bring in Andy Janovich at, at the fullback position. Uh, but Minnesota, you know, they, they didn't have a good third receiver, right? I mean, when Adam Thielen was hurt, they really didn't have a good number two wide receiver. It was uh, Busy Johnson. So you look at the Cleveland roster and you see the same thing, right? You saw their offseason spent on getting Janovich, getting Austin Hooper, uh, you know, committing to Chubb and Hunt at their running back position. They are built around uh, heavy personnel packages. And, mm-hmm. and I say all that because you're, you're going to see a lot of Chubb and Hunt on the field together. And that's something I usually push back on. A lot of team, people say, well, they have two good running backs. You're going to see a lot of two running back sets. And it doesn't happen. Teams mm-hmm. don't really do that. They prefer to have a third receiver on the field. I think that Stefanski has shown he can and will be the exception, and that's good news for Chubb as well as Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, now, round two, your advice here, basically lean towards a second running back. You list some options, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler. Uh, is this pretty common for you year to year, or do you think that because of that depth at wide receiver, it's better to go running back, running back with your first two picks this year? Yeah, I'll tell you what, this, when I was writing this, this is one of the spots where I battled with myself, right? Because on one hand, you know, there's some, some pretty good options here running back, right? Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, you know, those are perfectly formidable running back options. However, you basically have all but maybe two of the top wide receivers, and you also have Travis Kelsey and George Kittle as options here. I mean, you have some absolute superstars that you could take over say mid to back end RB one options. So which way do you go? And for me, what I, and what I wrote about here is that, you know, sometimes if I like the running back, I feel good about him like a Kenyon Drake, maybe if I'm picking early in the second round, I'll go that direction, right? I'll take that player because I feel pretty good about him. Um, but if I don't do that and I take a wide receiver, you know, and that could be the Tyree kill or Julio, or maybe I, maybe it's the middle of the round. I go Kelsey or Kittle, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably throwing running back away uh, that running back two slot away. Right. Because as we're going to get to the next few rounds are just going to be over overwhelming with uh, wide receiver options and the running back options aren't that great. So uh, this is a key spot, you know, it should really determine, you know, you your your draft strategy shouldn't really be dictated too much by your round two pick you wouldn't think but mm-hmm. uh, I think the way that drafts are structured this year that's going to be a big deal for you if you start running back running back uh you know you're going to be attacking that wide receiver position pretty heavily in the middle rounds and if you go running back receiver you're probably still going to do that just because of the guys that are available yeah of course um is there a running back in this group in the second round where once he's gone he's sort of like the last resort for running back where then you think, okay, I am going to go with one of those wide receivers or one of those top two tight ends. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think at running back this year, there are 14 running backs that I I feel comfortable with, right? We talked about the big five at the top. We talked about Henry and Edwards Hilaire, and then it's last names only Sanders, Drake, Chubb, Jones, Eckler, Mixon, and Jacobs, right? Those are the 14 after that, you get into some big question marks with Chris Carson and Leonard Fournette and the older guys, Gurley Johnson and Bell and Melvin Gordon, James Conner. You know, uh, those guys all are getting either older or coming off really poor efficiency seasons. Uh, they have injury questions. They change teams. There's there's a lot of question marks there in that next tier. So uh, I really those if I can get two of the top 14 with my first mm-hmm. two picks, I'm feeling pretty good about it. If not, and, and again, if you're picking in the mid to late stages of round two, 
you may not, you know, none, none of those four teammates get to you, then I'm going to pivot to another position. Mm-hmm. In terms of what you're thinking with that second running back slot, if you can't get one of those top 14 guys, are you more likely to, you know, take a wide receiver or a tight end and then in the third or fourth round, look for a running back? Or are you basically at that point saying, I'm going to punt this position. I will worry about that second running back slot. If I can find someone who, you know, who's, whose value drops and I get someone great, but otherwise I'm thinking I'm going to basically hit that position five or six rounds from now. Which of those two options do you think is more likely if you don't get two of those top 14 guys? Yeah, definitely punting the second mm-hmm. slot and that's okay, right? You can, you can, you're, look, you're, you're starting lineups that can be perfect by the, mm-hmm. if you're drafting with, uh, with other smart players, right? So that's, that's okay to do. You're going to have a lot of options in the mid to late rounds on flyers, on, on, uh, you know, backup running backs with high ceilings. If the starter gets hurt, there's, uh, you know, PPR stars, maybe a guy that could catch 60, 70, 80 footballs, like a Tariq Cohen, mm-hmm. you know, rookies, obviously second year potential post high breakouts. There's a ton of options there. There's going to be injuries. You're going to be able to find a second running back. So I'm okay with that. I'll just throw it away. Unless if somebody falls that I like, I'll pretty much be focusing on wide receiver for the next few rounds. And as we'll get to in detail, there's a pretty clear reason why. And it's because the position is just crazy deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many good wideouts available in these rounds. In the apex draft, you pick 13th. So you have the uh, first pick of the second round and you chose Kenyon Drake, a guy who it seems like you're pretty high on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've always liked him. I, I liked him coming into the league and he, we kind of saw him suppressed in the Adam Gase offense for a while, which can be applied to, I mean, the list is getting pretty lengthy now of players who did not perform in the Gase offense and went on uh, to bigger and better things once they got out of there. Uh, but Drake, you know, he arrived there in Arizona last season, played just under 80% of their offensive snaps mm-hmm. was around 20 touches a game. And he was the fourth, the number four scoring fantasy running back during that stretch and they gave him the transition tag I mean who does that for a running back you know so that's a pretty clear commitment to me that he's going to be the feature back Chase Edmonds is back he was his clear backup last year uh they they the only other investment was the seventh round pick and Eno Benjamin right like he's not a real threat so it's the Drake show in an Arizona offense it should be even better this season yeah I mean I like Edmonds as sort of like a flyer in the later rounds Um, yeah but I think Kenyon Drake does have a clear path to some pretty, pretty significant upside, a really productive player, like you said, once he got to Arizona a year ago. Um, get to the third round, unsurprisingly, given what we've been talking about, you go running back, running back with the first two picks, you're going to be taking a wide receiver most likely in round three. The guy you're suggesting in your column, and I want to ask you why you chose him specifically, is Mike Evans of the Buccaneers. Yeah, I want him here because I can't believe he gets here, right? I mean, the guy has been has been money in fantasy throughout most of his career. His touchdowns have been kind of all over the place. But, you know, if he finishes as a top 10 receiver in fantasy points per game this season, that'll be for the past five seasons. And, you know, because of the quarterback change and because of at the aforementioned depth at wide receiver, not to mention people are hammering running backs in the early – the first two rounds – Evans is falling to the third. I've, I've, I've managed to get him there several times and it's not always going to happen, right? Some, sometimes he's going to go in the second. You won't be able to get him here, but uh, he's a guy I've got enough there that he is on my radar. That's a guy that I would love to get. And this is 12 teamers, right? So 10 teamers, you're, you have an even better chance to get him in the third round, but uh, you know, he's not the only guy too. If he gets picked, basically you're looking at running backs like Melvin Gordon, Gurley, Connor, Chris Carson, who I mentioned earlier, or, how about these wide receivers, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, OBJ, Cooper, maybe Kenny Galladay if he falls and Evans doesn't. I mean, 
is there any question that the receivers are overwhelmingly better and more reliable than your running back options here? That's why I want to go that direction here. Absolutely. makes total sense. In terms of Evans, I think he's really interesting. I want to know what you think about his situation, because obviously on paper, you sit here and say, Hey, Tom Brady is a great quarterback. It's, you know, even though he's older, um, getting Tom Brady in there is probably going to be good for the offense. But then, you know, I, I think about the possessions last year, the Bucks led the league in possessions. They had extremely large uh, air yard totals because it was Jameis Winston, a quarterback. There were a lot of shots, a lot of possessions, a lot of throws downfield. And you'd figure with Tom Brady, it's going to be fewer possessions, fewer shots downfield. Some, it's not going to, Tom Brady's not going to be checking down all game, but fewer shots downfield. Um, and maybe a different sort of offense. Are you concerned that there might not be just as many opportunities to go around for the entire Tampa passing offense? Uh, relative to what we saw in years past? Uh, Not really. Not really. I think it'll be a high-volume offense because that's what we've seen from Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich so far, including Mm -hmm. last season. And as for getting the ball vertical downfield, I mean, Bruce Arians has has moved around the league quite a bit, right, from Pittsburgh to Indy to Arizona to Tampa Bay. His past 10 offenses, all 10 of them, have been top 10 in average depth of throw. Eight of them were top four. I mean – it, it doesn't matter where he goes. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. He goes vertical with the football. I don't think that changes with Tom Brady there. Now, is it maybe maybe if they finish ninth and, instead of third with Brady mm-hmm. instead of Winston? Maybe. You know, that, that's certainly a possibility. But I'm not worried about them not featuring Mike Evans, right? I don't think his targets are going to plummet by any means. He's still going to be a vertical threat. He's still one of the best talents in the, in the league. He's still one of the only receivers in the NFL at 6'5 or mm-hmm. bigger, right? So he's going to be a threat near the goal line. He's near the top of the NFL in end zone targets. Actually, I believe he's number one in end zone targets since he was drafted. So wow. not worried about Mike Evans at all. And then uh, I'm certainly pretty excited about this Buccaneers offense overall. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in your, your piece here that uh, you have Jonathan Taylor as an overvalued rookie. What makes mm-hmm. you say that? Uh, the situation, right? So I like the, I like the uh, Colts offense over. I like the, the, tra- the uh, trajectory of that team. I think they're going to win that division this year, but um, you know, the run blocking is going to be terrific. The offense should be, be better and score more, but you have a lot of backs and they're right there. They're still saying Marlon back Marlon Mack, is their lead back. And I think Taylor will outcarry him this season. I think he'll prove to be the better back, but you know, Mac's been a pretty effective rusher as well. I don't think he's going to completely disappear. And if he gets seven carries a game, we'll say that's seven carries, not going to Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. And another problem is that Taylor is not going to be featured in passing situations. They have Naheem Hines. They like him and he's going to be very involved in that area as well. Uh, not to mention that Taylor's a day two draft pick and historically, at least over the past decade, day two running backs have not been good in fantasy. The hit rate is extremely low. So uh, there's a lot of things kind of working against him, but I think overall volume is the big issue for me. I, I mean, I don't dislike him. I think he's going to be a terrific player in this league, but probably more like a fifth rounder, not a third rounder, which is just a little too much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems to be going pretty high. Um, in the fourth round, sorry, at the end of the third round in the Apex draft, you took Cortland Sutton, another guy who I feel like mm-hmm. very interesting because you can sit here and say he really broke out last year, very impressive. I think even better than his numbers on a play-by-play basis, watching him play with Drew Locke last year. But of course, we don't know how good Drew Locke is. The Broncos added KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon this offseason. So a lot of you know uh, pieces coming in the offense who would expect targets. Um, how do you how do you how do you sort of mitigate all that? What do you feel like Sutton's uh, upside is this year, given that situation? Yeah, I mean, he was wide receiver 19 last season, right? And so I, I agree with you. I think there's room for more. I think there's room for 
more touchdowns. I mean, uh, you know, the targets I think will probably be about the same. I think they'll throw the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. His target share might go down a tiny bit with Jerry Judy there and KJ Hamler there, Noah Fan in his next season. But yeah, uh, you know, this the sky really is the limit. I, I really believe in in Sutton's talent. Uh, he was terrific after the catch last season, a little unlucky in the touchdown department. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sixth in the NFL in end zone targets since he was drafted a couple years ago. Uh, and by the way, maybe this offense completely breaks out. I mean, the Broncos could be the breakout team of the oh, yeah. year, right? Of if, if the defense is outstanding, I think it's top five on paper. They had all these weapons in the draft and free agency. The offensive line is in pretty good shape, even with Juwan James opting out. Uh, and if Drew Locke, it really comes down to Drew Locke. I think he's one of the biggest wild cards in the NFL this season. If he's solid or better, you know, the Broncos should be outstanding. They could easily win double-digit games. Yeah, and even if they aren't a great team, I mean, you can still have a really productive season if it's the right situation. I think about Allen Robinson, you know, a guy mm-hmm. who, you know, mm-hmm. was fourth in, uh, was a wide receiver four uh, in his second season in the league with Blake Bortles, who, I'm not going to lie. Drew Locke gives me some kind of Blake Bortles vibes, you know, the size, the athleticism, the ability to make big plays. Um, maybe not all that great of a player in the long run, but a guy who might be better for fantasy purposes than he would be for real life purposes. And, you know, I think Sutton has that kind of upside if things break right. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it's, you can ask questions, you no know, same way with Evans, but I do think the, the talent and the size and the athleticism and the opportunity should all be there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm in on the Broncos, right? I'm I'm on the the bandwagon. We always have our our bandwagon teams every year, but uh, I'm in. But again, if it, it just comes down to lock too, you yeah. know, he does. Uh, of course. Yeah, you know what? You know, what I I was thinking about was, um, you know, the, I think Bortles is an ex- excellent example, right? He was competent behind a really good defense that year, right? He was kind of protected by that defense, mm-hmm. uh, and then. You know, we saw a couple years ago Chicago, you know, in Chicago, which Vic Fangio is the defensive coordinator at that time. Mm-hmm. We saw an elite defense protect Mitch Trubisky. And I feel like Denver is in the similar position, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with their personnel moves and Fangio is the head coach there now. And, you know, maybe that defense has a breakout and is elite. It was already really good last year. Could be even better this year. You know, they need Fant to kind of be that Bortles slash Trubisky. And by the way, if he's better than that, you know, look out for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um so in the fourth round, you are suggesting Adam Thielen, the guy who I'm also very high on this year. Um, are you pretty much exclusively wide receiver in the fourth round? Absolutely. In fact, I, I wrote my column that if you don't take a, a fourth round wide receiver this year, you're doing it wrong, right? It's, <laughs> it's going to be hard uh, to go another direction. You have Adam Thielen, who I think is a top 10 fantasy receiver, uh, who's available this late. Juju Smith-Schuster is an option. Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup who was a top five fantasy receiver last year, A.J. Brown, Robert Woods. We just talked about Corlin Sutton. Um, uh, Amari Cooper has a late third-round ADP, so he falls to the fourth sometimes. I mean, those are your, your receivers. And, again, it's very similar to round three. Here's your running backs, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift. I mean, come on. It's not even a close call. Yeah, I mean, I, you're right. Uh, fundamentally, like, you know, I, I think one of those running backs will probably have a good season, but – your chances of picking the right guy are just aren't very high. Yeah. And look, they're fine. You know, if they fall a little bit and, and I, you're exactly right. If several of them might be top 20 running backs, but it's just not close to the reliability, the high floors and even the high ceilings of your wide receiver options. Yeah. I find it interesting because, you know, Thielen obviously was hurt last year. Uh, did miss a chunk of time. The Vikings are a team that do want to run the football, but you would figure, given that they traded Stephon Diggs, that his target share opportunity 
should be really significant, just given that there's not, you know, Justin Jefferson will get some touches, but he's not going to get a Stephon Diggs-level workload. No, no question about it. I mean, look, in 2017 and 2018, he was a top 10 fantasy uh, wide receiver. Last year, before he got injured in week seven, he sat ninth, right? So, I mean, that's three straight seasons, basically. He's been a top 10 fantasy receiver, and you don't have to pay that cost at this point. You know, he's still right around age 30, like you said, uh, the sky's the limit in terms of targets here because, you know, you have a rookie, Justin Jefferson, as a two. You, they pretty much did not address that third spot. I mean, maybe Tajay Sharp can make some noise there. You have the two tight ends. And, of course, you have uh, Dalvin Cook in the backfield. Maybe, you know, if he, if he plays, we'll see if he ends up holding out. So uh, there's, there's not, a, not an overwhelming number of mouths to feed. And you're right, it is a low-volume pass offense. But uh, Thielen should be good to go in terms of at least a quarter of the targets in this offense. An offense that does have a lot of mouths to feed, or at least one really significant mouth to feed, is Atlanta. And in the Apex draft at 401 with Adam Thielen off the board, you took Calvin Ridley. And so I guess my question for you is, um, what do you think Calvin Ridley's ceiling is with Julio Jones in this offense? I think it's pretty high. You know, uh, we saw Tampa Bay in that division have two top 10 fantasy wide receivers last season. They would have had two top five, if not for the injuries. Uh, and I think Atlanta can do that. I mean, last season, Ridley was 14th in fantasy points before his season-ending injury. That was in week 14. So, uh, And that was with Austin Hooper, by the way. He missed a few weeks in there, but Austin Hooper was the number one scoring fantasy tight end before uh, he went down with an injury. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ridley Jones, it's, it was Ridley Jones and Hooper, basically, and, you know, of course, Freeman. Uh, and then you had kind of Sanu and, uh, and Russell Gage in the slot. And it's a very similar dynamic, right? You sub in. Uh, Gurley for Freeman, mm-hmm. you, Sanu's gone, so Gage is the slot man now, and you have Hayden Hurston for Hooper, but it's still Dirk Cutter, it's still Matt Ryan, I mean, it should be a very similar dynamic here, but I'll be totally honest with you, Bill, I was completely shocked to get Ridley, because the hype has been out of control for him, yeah. and he still felt to me somehow, I was, <laughs> was kind of surprised, I guess it was just the right place at the right time, I haven't got him much, because the hype is so out of control, mm-hmm. everyone, you know, saying he's the, this year's Chris Godwin, and talking about him as you know, maybe passes out Julio Jones, which I think is a stretch, but uh, this is a very pass heavy offense. They're going to score a lot of points. The talents there, it's Ridley's third year. I'm, I'm comfortable with him as my number two receiver. Yeah. How high would you be willing to take Ridley in this sort of draft? I mean, is he a guy at the top of the third round, middle of third round? Where, where is his like, sort of like the first spot you're willing to consider him? Yeah, that's fair. I think this is about the spot. So uh, he's my 17th wide receiver and in my overall board, um, I have him at, at uh, 41. Um, so this is, I don't, I don't even know where I took him in this one, <laughs> what, the, what the number was, but uh, it might've been based on the flow of the draft a little bit earlier of than course. that. But, uh, yeah, uh, 37. So yeah, four spots off. That's about right. Yeah. And I think that's pretty reasonable. I mean, obviously, you know, a guy who I think is still incredibly young, still opportunity for him to break out. And, you know, even if he doesn't, even if he's just the guy he was a year ago, that guy was still pretty effective. So um, you know, I think a pretty high floor and a high, a high ceiling as well for uh, Calvin Ridley in the fourth round there. Round five, you are thinking about another receiver. You have a couple options here, and you actually get to the tight end position, which I want to talk about. Uh, you list Zach Ertz or Tyler Lockett as your two options in round five. Why? Yeah, uh, well, let's start with Ertz because he's a guy on my radar in every draft, and I- I'm surprised how – 
undervalued he's become. I mean, talk about money at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Four straight seasons, he has been top four in targets, receptions, yards, and fantasy points. I mean, talk about a, a super high floor from your tight end. And, and remember, last season, he put together a top five season, and that was with that, po- that point in the season. Remember toward the middle part of the season where he wasn't really producing because he was being double and triple covered because yeah. of all the wide receiver injuries. And the injuries just got worse, but uh, Doug Peterson adjusted, Carson Wentz adjusted, and he ended up flourishing down the stretch. He, you know, they got him open, they got him the football, and he had a, a huge second half of the season. So uh, I'm not worried about Dallas Goddard. You know, Ertz is still the starter there. They, they kept him around. Wide receiver is better, but not significantly better. There's still pretty significant question marks at that position. I have no concerns about a 29-year-old Ertz. So he's been falling to the fifth and sometimes sixth round. I'm happy to uh, to scoop him up. And then a wide receiver, Tyler Lockett. I mean, everybody's on DK Metcalf. He's the next mm-hmm. big thing. But Tyler Lockett's the one there. You know, he's the guy. Uh, he has been terrific in even in fantasy. You know, eight touchdowns, 82 catches last year. Uh, he, have, he's had, he has back-to-back top 16 fantasy campaigns already. And, again, he's coming at a discount because of the depth at uh, wide receiver. So, uh, like him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in terms of the tight ends, obviously – the tier one tight ends are, are Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, both of whom happen to sign extensions today. Congratulations to those two guys. In terms of the second tier, how big is that for you? Is it is it just Ertz? I mean, who, who who's in that second tier for you? And and you know, are, are you willing to take those guys kind of interchangeably, or is there a pretty defined group of second tier guys for you? And then you're willing to drop off to another tier. I'll tell you what, this isn't always the case, but tight end's fun this year, right? There's just a level, level after level after level after level of intriguing upside talent. So, uh, you know, Kelsey and Kittle are certainly tier one and tier two. I would still put Kelsey on his own tier slightly ahead of uh, Kittle's. Uh, but that next tier is, is three deep, I think. Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews. A lot of people prefer Andrews to Ertz, uh, but it is pretty close. And then Darren Waller, who I'm, if I don't take Ertz, I'm happy with uh, around later. So, I think that's. I think those three guys are in that next tier, and then it's down to guys like your Evan Ingram's and Tyler Higby, Gronk, Hunter Henry, Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Now, in terms of the running backs, obviously we talked about kind of fading those guys in the third, fourth round. Are you willing to consider them if they fall to round five, or do they need to fall even further for you to start going after you know the Le'Veon Bells of the world? Uh, you know, I wouldn't be overly opposed to, uh, you know, guys that we just talked about, you know, like a Bell or a, maybe a DeAndre Swift that in, in, in round five. You know, um, I, I could see myself going that direction depending on what else was on the board. Like if, if all of my – the top of my uh, wide receiver board is all gone, which happened in Apex, right? At one point, I think 26 of my top 27 receivers and like all of my top 25 – running backs had been picked already, which was just, <laughs> you never see that happen. Um, so I, I might consider going that direction, but again, there's just so much value at these other spots that I would love to get a guy like Tyler Lockett who could easily be a top 10 receiver. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So then uh, you mentioned, of course, with the wide receivers gone, with the running backs gone in the apex draft, picking with the final pick of the fifth round, you chose a guy who you mentioned a little later uh, in your piece for ESPN, which was Kyler Murray, a guy who, you know, uh, you have, you talk about in round seven as a possible pick. Now, of course, obviously, like I said, the receivers were gone. You're picking up the very last pick of the fifth round. Um, so you're not, it's about a round difference between where you picked him and where you were hoping to get him in round seven. But I mean, where do you see Kyler Murray this year in terms of the, the quarterback tier after uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson? 
Yeah, I've been drafting him a lot, and you're exactly right. Had I not taken him here with my essentially my fifth round pick, I, it would have been a while before I would have had a shot at him. So uh, I, it would have been basically the end of round seven. That wasn't going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I took him here a little bit early. I was okay doing that because I think that Murray has a shot. He's he's the only guy I think in fantasy that has a shot to be this year's Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, right? And and the compa- comparison makes sense, right? I mean, they both were in their second season. They were both super high pedigree. Uh, both, you know, were previously first-round picks. Murray was the first overall pick last season. And, and, oh, by the way, you know, he doesn't have to make quite the leap that Mahomes did or Jackson did where, you know, Mahomes didn't barely played as a rookie. Uh, Jackson added a lot of value with his legs, obviously, but only started half the season and really struggled with efficiency. Well, Kyler Murray's efficiency for a rookie quarterback was pretty good last year. Not to mention that he added a ton of value with his legs and was a top eight fantasy quarterback. So we've already seen him deliver the goods. That was before DeAndre Hopkins. You now have your coaching staff going into year two, not to mention Murray going into his year two. There's just so much upside there. So I decided, you know what? Uh, I know this group is smart. They're going to all wait a quarterback, which which ended up did ha- happening aside of Mahomes and Jackson. But I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for Murray and take a chance that he is one of the fantasy MVPs of 2020. If that's the case, he'll easily pay off of around 580p. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is a league where you have to take some chances. And I think Kyler is a logical place to kind of take a leap and say, okay, this could be a difference maker for me. Um, in the sixth round, we'll finish up here because uh, obviously your column does get to uh, – you get pretty far. I think you're – you all – how far – how deep do you go in, in the draft? I look, it looks like – 16 rounds oh yeah we go all the way all the way through uh from from your safe picks at the beginning to your your sleepers kickers and defenses at the end okay so we look, you can get to that on espn plus but let's finish up here with round <laughs> round six because i want to talk about uh the tight ends you mentioned um waller being kind of the, the fifth tight end kind of in the, the third tight end in that second tier for you round six for you is ty hilton or darren waller so in terms of of waller and, and the tight end situation how late are you comfortable going taking your first tight end in a typical draft? Is it around this level? Or are you willing to go even deeper before you start grabbing uh, your, your tight end one? You know, it's, it's funny you ask that because a couple months ago, I thought that my plan at tight end was going to be just ignore it until the end, right? Because I'll mention a couple of names here in a second of potential breakout tight ends. And I feel pretty good about them, right? Mm-hmm. So if you grab two, the odds are pretty good. One will break out. Think like last year, Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. Uh, you know, those were guys who in shallow leagues, you could pick up off waivers after week one, you know, and at the very minimum, they were late flyers, not to mention a Tyler Higby who exploded down the stretch and, and was one of the, the fantasy playoff MVP. So, um, you know, I thought that was the route I was going to go, but there's just been values, right? Zach Ertz, I just talked about and Darren Waller. Uh, I have him on my board here as a round six target. Again, he's going for uh, a lot later than I than I thought he would this season. He was just terrific last season, no lower than fourth at in snaps, routes, targets, receptions, yardage, fantasy points. I mean, the guy was a, a key component of that offense. And Derek Carr is still the quarterback. He's going to be throwing the ball to Darren Waller, so I like him a lot. But those other names, I mean, you could wait till the double-digit rounds and go after Gronk, Jared Cook, and then the, then the exciting young guys, Noah Fant, who I'm super pumped for. I think he's a shoe in for a breakout season. Like him a lot. TJ Hawkinson, who was all like Fant, drafted in the first round last season. Hayden Hurst, we mentioned him earlier. He's going to this Atlanta offense. It's going to be uh, you know pretty committed to getting him the football. Mike Gusecki, 
a little worried about the Chan Gailey offense, but he's obviously a guy uh, who could potentially make a leap this year. And Chris Herndon, by the way, he's available in high stakes leagues right now in the 14th round. Uh, You know, if you look at uh, yards per target for rookie tight ends over the past decade, it's basically all fantasy super superstars. You know, Mm -hmm. you you name a, a star fantasy tight end. He's on that list. There are two exceptions to that Noah Fant, and Chris Herndon, who missed all of last year, but as a rookie, he was outstanding. So that tells me I want to take a shot on these guys in the later rounds. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, you're picking 12th in the Apex draft. You took Waller here in the sixth round. If you're willing to wait later, is it a situation where you might go to the eighth or ninth round and then go tight end, tight end at the turn? Uh, yeah, I, I could certainly do that uh, later in my draft. In fact, uh, in the Apex draft, in the 10th, uh, 10th and 11th round, uh, uh, Sean Siegel, who, again, he's the, the guy that really has pushed the zero running back concept, went Fanton Hawkinson. So he, you know, he uh, at the turn there. So I kind of love that. I, I think that's a perfect, perfectly viable strategy. It allows you to really attack receiver and running back early, which was all he did in the first nine picks. So I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that strategy. But I went a little different, different direction because I just saw values on the board. Mm-hmm. One more question for you, Mike, and then we're going to finish up with the Apex draft. Your next three picks, all New York Giants, Darius Slayton in the seventh round, Evan Ingram in the eighth round, and Golden Tate in the ninth round. So uh, less about the Giants here, more about the general idea. Uh, how do you feel about um, stacking players on a team in single-season fantasy? Obviously, in daily fantasy football, uh, it's pretty much second nature to stack. How do you feel about that in a, a, a sort of single-season fantasy league like this one? I'm okay with it, especially uh, if you're in a, you know, a super competitive league where you need to be a little bolder um, and, you know, you don't need to go out of your way to do it early in a round. Uh, but, you know, in this sort of format, I'm perfectly fine with it. In fact, I'm coming up here. The draft's not over. I've, I'm, I'm a few picks away from picking. I might have to grab Daniel Jones too, right, to, to stack this together. Uh, but I'll say this, look, if you uh, were to pull uh, fantasy analysts right now around the industry and say, you know, which which team, uh, which offenses are kind of underrated right now, uh, you know, undervalued their, their players as a whole uh, in fantasy? I'd probably say the Buccaneers would be my answer, but the, the Giants would be probably the most popular answer, right? There's just so much value with Daniel Jones available late. Uh, obviously, Barkley's going to cost you a lot, but the receivers, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Darius Slayton can all be had with later picks. Evan Ingram comes at a discount. When he has played and been healthy, he's been basically a top five fantasy mm-hmm. Uh, tight end. So uh, I, I think that if I can get Slayton at wide receiver 42, Tate at 56 in PPR, Evan Ingram at tight end seven uh, in the eighth round, it's just they were the best guys on my board. I was happy to take them. And uh, yeah, if, if the Giants offense goes off, and by the way, they were a borderline top 10 offense in scoring last season. Mm-hmm. And that was with uh, all the guys I just mentioned playing zero games together, yes. zero games together. And they were basically a top 10 offense in scoring. I think they could break out this year. It's very possible if Daniel Jones makes a leap. Absolutely. Well, Mike, if people want to check out the rest of this column and all your stuff, where can they do that? Uh, Twitter at my clay NFL. And certainly if you, any of my content uh, you can get over at ESPN.com, the fantasy section uh, buried behind bills content in the it's NFL not. section. Once in a while, we get some <laughs> NFL content in there. And of course, sign up for ESPN plus we, we put a lot in there, put a lot of work into that. And uh, it's not just me. there; just uh, some fantastic analysis at ESPN plus. And if they want to listen to you, where can they do that? 
Uh, yes, the Fantasy Focus podcast. I'll be mixing in. You know, it's, it's uh, Field and Matthew in the studio this year, and then myself and Stefania will be uh, on the pod throughout the year uh, as well. Um, we'll be doing, you know, we'll be firing up Daily Wager soon for some some video, of course, on on your television. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an interesting year, but I'm looking forward to getting back to football. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Yep, always fun, Bill. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks so much again to my guest, ESPN's Mike Clay. Listen to Mike on the Fantasy Focus podcast. And guys, thanks so much for listening this week. Obviously, two shows, Mina Kimes yesterday, Mike Clay today. Back to one show next week as we continue to preview the NFL season. Hope you guys are staying healthy, enjoying yourselves out there. Hopefully, uh, the podcast is entertaining you, but more audio coming next week. So thanks so much for listening.